while you're home all alone. Fiending for the gimme, fiending for my love. Fixed and addicted to each other like a drug. Nothing like acid or ecstasy. I give you pieces of my love so you remember me. Love letters in the mail show me that you still care. I reminisce about the kiss that turned into a love affair. I tell you now, I didn't mean to do you harm. But your love was getting to me and my Jimmy. <laughs> Yes, yes, this is Tian Buku, one of the Black Russian podcast. This is Yula. We are here at episode six, Road Life, a.k.a. <laughs> a title that I thought would be pretty funny, but it doesn't fully apply to everybody, which is... Tour life, tour wife. Tour life, tour wife, but not everybody has a wife. Or tours. Right, so this episode, we're going to go into the ways to... I guess, have a relationship, the good, the bad, and the ugly of when you travel a lot. You know, this specifically, I being a musical artist, manager, touring, but just this applies to pretty much anybody who has a, a love that's afar, that, that travels a lot. And um, before we go into this episode, let's recap the last episode, which was the Revenge of the Russian, this exploration episode, part two. Do you feel vindicated? Yep. Yeah? Loved it. Really? What did you love, love about it? It was perfect. It was perfect. I said what I wanted to say in a way that I wanted to say it. It was organized, thought through, logical, came out clear. I liked it. All right. And the word on the street is a lot of people liked it. Um, your enthusiasm showed. Your preparation showed. Your uh, leaning in and being near the microphone not being laid on a couch. Do I get an A? I think you get an A. Yay. An A for A for A. But yes, it was good. This exploration chapter of the podcast was good. Um, did we learn anything? Yes, that I need to prepare. Yes, no, I mean about the sex. <laughs> oh, the sex. Hmm. Do we? About about other about other people. I mean, we we know each other about ourselves. Oh, yeah, we did. You well, you shared it on the last episode. If you haven't heard the episode five, the exploration, revenge of the Russian, um, go listen to that because there was a lot learned between those two, and Eula shared a lot about her discoveries about herself and us, and it was pretty cool. So check it out. Don't sleep. <laughs> Don't sleep. So all right. So before we go into anything else, yes, can we talk? Go back and talk about different definitions of the same word sure so can we talk about the different definitions of the word open we can talk about the definitions the different definitions of the word open that has been a topic of interest around us recently um and it comes it comes in waves but yeah so you know i think the definition of open is as different as the people who say it. It's, as wide as being open. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think we're all open about some things and some things we choose to be private about. Um, and depending on who we hang out with or who we're talking to, we choose to share more of this and less of that. Um, I tend to think that 
I'm fairly open, but some people tend to think that I'm not very open. Um, and I think it's context-based. Certain certain relationships will inspire me to be more open about certain things, and um, other relationships don't. So. Well, I also think that um, just the word open, you can't like assume that because someone says, oh, you know, I'm in an open relationship or I'm an open person, that will automatically match your definition of it. It's exactly the same as with anything else. I love you. I love you too. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's talk about it. Exact same thing. I mean, open can be from, hey, you know, me and my wife talk about what I do to, you know, we like to include other people to we actually want to have a commune. Right. Yep. It ranges. And so um, the lesson we're learning right now and the wisdom we're attaining from it is that um, we have to clarify definitions and not assume that just because we both use the same words and the same terminology that it means the same things to us. Um, and also there is no better, like, I mean, I think we talk about it a lot. My definition of open is no better than your definition of open, but they might be quite different. Right. And you are not to put me in your box and I'm not to put you in my box. I'm going to stay with my definition and you're welcome to stay with yours. If I feel that my definition needs to be expanded somehow, I will do that. But I will do that on my own terms and on my own timeline. Yep. And that's that's really the lesson is that, you know, everybody has their own way, their own path, their own time frame of how they grow, how they evolve. All we can do as friends and lovers to each other is share things that we see, maybe make suggestions, um, have opinions, but respect each person's um, other opinions and decision making, even if it's um, different from yours or different from mine or different from hers. Like we have to keep respecting each other's space and decision making process to keep the vibration high. And um, yeah, so that was, you know, that'll come up off and on. Communication is key. Communication is key. Clarifying is key. Um, and respecting each other is key, even when you have to disagree. That is very true. So, and this ties into what I want to say, which I say all the time is no style of relationship is more or less divine than the other. It is about the work that is put into the relationship and the work put into the individuals in the relationship. So, now we're going to enter this episode. This is road life, which is all about life on the road, love on the road. Do you want to do quotes first? We're going to do quotes. I was just getting to the point of saying what it's about. And now we'll roll into quotes. But I guess we'll roll into quotes right now. Cause I said so. Last, Yeah. And last time I think she got gypped. She got shortchanged on quotes. She only got two over three out. Yes. And then you criticized me for my quotes. Which yeah. was a low blow. <laughs> that was a low blow. That was not cool. Uh, you it, have to you apologize publicly. I will always apologize for hurting your feelings. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, doesn't mean I... Um... No, okay. <laughs> All right, quote. So, uh, because Valentine's Day is coming up, I chose to take quotes from Haruki Murakami, and all three of them are from him. Uh, what happens when people open their hearts? <gasps> they get better. Ooh. It's hard as hell, but it does happen. Yeah, and mine are travel-based quotes, so <laughs> traveling. Boring. It, oh, you'll be amazed. Traveling, it leaves you speechless. 
then turns you into a storyteller. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Every one of us is losing something precious to us. Lost opportunities, lost possibilities, feelings we can never get back again. That's part of what it means to be alive. Um, and that's, I mean, sometimes you just go, hey, I lost something that mattered to me, but there's nothing you can do, and it's life. So yeah, that's how it moving. goes. Yep. And my next one is travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Yay, Mike, symmetry. Symmetry or or Mark, Twain, Mark Twain. No, no, I know, but no. symmetry went... <laughs> 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 symmetry went on the road Yes. to go through the country. Like, he lapped around the country just to see what people are... Like, if really people are as horrible as one might feel they are when watching fox news right so he went and traveled i think it was an awesome idea it's a great idea i'm a big fan of travel i think um you you learn so much about yourself through the reflection of other people through your travels you learn um the world is vast at the same time the world is small um and you just just different perspectives is very humbling very humbling you guys should travel more and if you do travel a lot salute all right, my last one's kind of long. Is it possible in the final analysis for one human being to achieve perfect understanding of another? We can invest enormous time and energy in serious efforts to know another person, but in the end, how close can we come to that person's essence? We convince ourselves that we know the other person well, but do we really know anything important about anyone? Um... I c we just recently had a conversation about peeling the onion and my love for it. And uh, we've been together for quite some time. And I, one, of the, one of the coolest things about our relationship that I keep realizing that I don't know everything about you. And it's an ongoing awesome process to figure things out. And I don't think there's ever going to be a point when I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Well, I, you know, for the sake of our love and our kids, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, hopefully um, we will keep learning. We'll keep evolving. We'll keep refining. We'll keep finding new things about ourselves that we don't know about ourselves, which means just in the essence of that, the other person will not know everything about the person. Um the core thing I think is great to know is the core ethos, the core motive for why we do what we do. And if we understand that, then we trust that, then we have faith in that, then we know whatever we're supposed to know, we'll know as it goes on. Continue. I'm just looking at the GoPro. You got the last one. I can't oh. continue. Oh, and then I realized adventurers are the best ways to learn. Adventure, sorry. <laughs> and then i realized adventures are the best way to learn it had a really f cool font and i was writing it out so yes learning through adventures activations activities first-hand experiences a beautiful thing so travel go ahead travel and talk more all right so for this travel episode because i liked so much doing my little survey last time I did another survey and I got responses. 
I guess we'll go through all the questions and then I will sum up my opinion as to what I think I got from the responses. All right. First question. Do you like being apart from your partner? Why yes? Why no? Most people, and it was the same kind of uh, sample of people, both men and women, married and not. So I, I think it's sort of a decent sample size. Do you like being apart from your partner? Why yes? Why no? Mm, I pretty much think everybody said yes, they like being apart from their partner. Uh, why yes? That's because it gives people time to reset, uh, find their own sort of identity and uh, give them space to start missing the other person. Are you comfortable with alone time? Surprisingly, almost everyone said yes. Uh, do I believe it? No. How valuable to use time spent away from your partner? Again, most people said it's pretty valuable. Uh, some people said uh, they don't need it as much, but they do understand that you need to have time away from your partner again to be on your own, uh, air it out, uh, come home and uh, enjoy being together again. Mm -hmm. What are some uncomfortable feelings, fears that come up when your partner is away? And that is where I throw a huge red flag and I tell my people, you guys are either not telling me the truth or you're in a relationship that might need some stimulation I say that because I feel only one and a half people gave me the an honest answer. All the other ones have no fears and no uncomfortable feelings. So what she's trying to say is this is how she felt about it. I think it's bullshit. Watch, hold on. <laughs> so Pretty much. So if you didn't hear that, hold on a sec. Meaning she's not buying it. I'm not buying it. I thought about it and I'm like... I'm not buying it. I know what it feels like. And one person that was honest said that uh, she feels uh, scared that her partner will meet someone who is cooler than her and he would want to spend more time with that person. I think that's absolute truth. Um, I think that the reason why I say that the other people that did not, that told me that they have no fears and no uncomfortable feelings are either in a relationship that is so stagnant and so closed up that they know for a fact that their partner has no way of going out and meeting somebody else uh, that is so forbidden that there is no chance of that or they're just lying to themselves right and and that's why the answer that i got was no i have no uncomfortable feelings right. the reason why i hypothesize that they're lying to themselves is because i've done that i've had people ask me a million times so how do you feel when tion's away i'm like oh it's fine do you have any concerns no i have no concerns bullshit of course i do and i think that we don't want to say it because if we say it, it becomes real. And if it becomes real, you have to do something about it. And again, it goes back again into, I think I've, I've said it 
quite a few times now, if you say, when you say the truth about how you really feel, when it comes up, you have to do something with it. So it's much easier to not even say it. I'll go as far as uh, saying that, you know, one of the friends that responded, I know for a fact the feelings that he's had when his partner would be away. And he still said in the general answer that he has no no uncomfortable feel, feelings or fears when uh, he's not he's not uh, with the, with you know his partner. So I think that our we have a standard answer, right? And then we have an actual real answer, and the real answer is probably not something that we want to think about. So we just give an easy standard answer. So everyone who responded, thanks for the effort. I will always call it out. So let's try again next time and let's do better. Yeah, and let me add to that. Um, I think we get so caught up in this stock answering things, like we're not allowed to say something's wrong or we're not allowed to even talk about um, you know, things that, you know, can work out a little better that are doing good, but we can do better at. Um, I've had a few people I've talked to since we've been doing the podcast who got really excited because we started provoking um, thoughts that they were already having a long time and just didn't have, feel like they had somebody to talk about it with or articulate it with. And they got really excited, like, wow, you know, this is something that would be cool to share with my wife or my husband or my partner. And then they were met with, not the most warm reception about the concept of even just talking about things and they got shut down. And I was just thinking like, man, like how rough would that be if you're not even allowed to talk about something that is thought provoking or that is inspiring you to think beyond the routine? Um, you know, how, how does that feel long-term? What are the repercussions of that long-term in a relationship when you can't speak about those things? I mean, that's rough. That's being in a box. It's hard. But we've all been there. You know, it's not It's not easy. And uh, I think, you know, I'll say again, the reason why I think it's awesome that we're doing this is because hopefully through the conversation, we're helping with, A, being truthful to yourselves, and then with that, uh, once you once all of us become more comfortable being truthful to ourselves, we become, uh, it's easier for us to talk to other people, including partners. Yeah, don't be afraid to have a conversation. It's like, if you liked going to the opera, right? And you were like, oh my God, I went to this opera and it was amazing. Um, let me, I want to, you know, maybe you want to go with me. Like I can listen to you and be like, oh, for real, tell me more about it because I see you're excited about it. And it may not be something that's resonating with me right away, but to completely shut you down, like you can't even talk to me about that is, is, is I mean, it has to be infuriating. I can, why can't we just well, listen and just be because, like, you know, tell me about it. Because it's scary because we can talk about the opera, but we cannot talk about a uh, something that has to do with a relationship where maybe it hits our fears. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready to talk about something that is sensitive and fearful. So, you know, or fear provoking. So, you know, I mean, it's not it's not so easy. No, it's not easy. But uh, repression is not easy either. And even being honest and saying that, like just being honest and saying like, you know what, the, the conversation you want to have about 
this, that, and the third is I'm sure it's very fascinating. I, I can tell by the look on your face, you're excited about it, but I'm not ready yet to have that conversation. Um, and then maybe then the conversation will be like, well, what are our concerns about having the conversation? And at least have the conversation about the conversation. Just to start the conversation about the conversation, to have a conversation so I can eventually say, what the fuck is on my mind? Oh, you're such an asshole sometimes. Okay. Uh, do you feel that there is a good... That's my last question. Do you feel that there is a good balance of together and away time in your current relationship? Well, everybody was honest and pretty much everybody said no. The balance is not uh, good enough. So I guess uh, there is a need to be more um, balanced in terms of if you're in a relationship, uh, there needs to be more me time, more away time, which is cool. I thought that was cool. And then uh, one pondering, uh, someone, asked, someone gave me this pondering to uh, maybe kick around is how much, like what is that balance of away time between the partners to make sure that the individuality is uh, still intact, that the person who you fell in love with remains the, per the same person, that you didn't cage them, you gave them enough freedom to maintain their identity. And that's, you know, that's an awesome question. And I don't know that, uh, you know, I know Tion always talks about that, you fall in love with a person and then you want to cage them and then that changes that person and then you no longer you're no longer in love well no shit you cage them right you've caged them you've changed their their diet their spiritual mental and emotional diet you've changed their habits you've changed what energy they can intake and you've changed how they would naturally flow when they're empowered and they're um loved in a way that actually sets them free and <clears throat> We talk about this a lot. There is a huge importance of time away, independent time to remember your path and your purpose beyond just the relationship, just mommy, just daddy, just husband, just wife. Um, you also need anonymous time, off the grid time, time when you're not accounted for, where you can do whatever you want to do, um, sit still on a rock, go to play tennis, go whatever you want to do where you're not being tracked where trust and empowerment, encouraging your person, partner, counterpart, whatever, to live, just so, breathe a little bit. So whatever, what, whoever has those apps on your phone where you track each other, kill the fucking apps. You know that, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, people you know? use them for husband and wife too. I thought it was for kids. No, people use them for each other. They track each other. I mean, I know that everyone's like, what? You don't have it for kids? No, I don't want to have it for kids. And I definitely don't want to have it for Tion. And I definitely would never allow to have it on me. I may not do anything, but you're not going to track me. Uh, maybe it's the remnants of being tracked in uh, UASSR. I don't know, but you're not going to track me, that's for sure. Uh, so I think when it you know, goes, going back to the question as to what's that balance uh, of the good uh, away time for the, each other to remain uh, individuals that you both fell in love with, I think that balance is right past your comfort zone. I think that if you're comfortable with the balance of separate time you're not doing it 
I think that it has to be, that's from my own experience, I think that it has to be past your comfort zone. It has to be past the, why are you going away again? Or why do you need so much time? It has to be past that. Right. I don't think Tion, I mean, I, I think in our relationship, I probably know more about it than than you do. But I definitely feel that if I'm comfortable, I know we're not doing what we should be doing. Right. Like if I never feel, if I go for a week or two or three or a month and I don't ever get that uneasy feeling that, you know, you are going and I don't know where you're going or, you know, it's an extended period of time that you're out. Like, I know that we're stagnating and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> and on one hand, I'm like, oh, I like this. This is comfy. And on the other hand, I'm like, ooh, this is comfy. Right. No, it's one of those things. And it just goes to the space of growth. You know, if you're we talk about being profes professional human beings, professional relationship people as far as just a way of life, loving just the same way a professional athlete, they train all the time. They rest, they recover, they watch their diet. They're always pushing themselves. They're sore quite a bit. And that type of sore is a good sore because you're growing. You're pushing yourself a little further to keep growing, to keep evolving. So your best yesterday is not your best today and vice versa. Not vice versa, but in continuous per perpetuity. Um, and so what she's saying is that, you know, if everything is just so easy and you're just coasting, then you're not pushing, you're not climbing anymore. Yep. And then, you know, people think I'm crazy. I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a growing number of people who think I'm crazy, which I'm very excited about. If jo people think I'm crazy, I'm doing the right thing. Join the party. So yeah. Club 5150. Keep on, keep on <laughs> calling me crazy. That's awesome. Are you crazy? I am crazy. All right. You ready? Okay. I'm going to interview you. All right, hold on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. All right. So, uh, tour life, tour wife. We have been together for 14 years. Out of the 14 years, you toured for at least 50% each year, at least yeah. uh, 11 out of those years. It's only been three years that uh, you have not toured. This so, is true. Yeah, uh, I pretty much started touring in 1998, 99. And since then, yeah, pretty much until yep. 2013. Yeah, yep. 2013, I pretty much did probably between 50 and 100 November shows a year. November of 2013. Yeah, between 50 and 100 shows a year. Yep, and that's how we came together, and um, we uh, obviously have a lot of experience, not because we're bragging, but because it was our lifestyle, and uh, we, before we decided that we wanted to do a podcast, we were quite seriously kicking around an idea of writing a book about the touring life, and it would have been... Uh, maybe we'll get to it at some point in our lives, but uh, it was going to be Tion's take on it and then my take on it. And the way that we, uh, the reason why we even started talking about it is because 
I was consistently, you know, Tion's partner through the 11 years. And we were watching, um, you know, other artists that had girlfriends that came and went. And they were new to the touring lifestyle. And sometimes I had to, like, chaperone and bring, <laughs> them, bring them with me on tour. And I, I ended up being, like, a, you know, support person when you know, their boyfriend was out on tour and the same tour that Tion was on and I had to freaking hold their hand. And I mean, if you know me, I am I get pretty impatient and I, I, I mean, lack of logic really kills me. And not all of those women were logical. <laughs> None of them were experienced in um, having their boyfriend or partner or whatever they were. Uh, tour and it became really obvious that there are certain kind of standard things that people get tripped up on um, and it's they really like no one educates them and just like you have uh, you know to learn math you need a teacher to learn anything you need a teacher it's kind of the same thing yeah and going back to our thing about communication within self and within others um, a lot of times, you know, I've seen the dudes that I've been out with, different dudes, um, they don't properly uh, talk to their new girlfriend about what tour life entails, how it works. And this is not talking about even the, the sexual stuff. It's just about, um, you know, living to do shows and making majority of your income on the road. So you have to be kind of going when the opportunities come. And sometimes that's just what it is. And you do your best to balance it out. But that's not really clearly communicated up front. So everybody's just kind of going with it. And then when it gets hard, the dude will look at the girl like, dude, you knew I was an artist, but <laughs> like, what does that mean? And it was not, you know, so on both sides, we, we can set each other up for a really rough time if we're not communicating, but a lot of times it's not communicated. Right. So we thought that that would be awesome to write a book about it. And, you know, maybe that book will be written. Tion's dad toured a lot, you know, he, in in the 70s in the 70s yeah and background uh, saying from marvin gay yep so you know the stories they are pretty insane um so maybe one day we'll we'll actually write a book and interview his dad and and some other artists and and create something that'll be interesting but for now that's the episode and i will interview you okay and we will uh get through it hopefully there'll be a lot of interesting stuff tion does not have uh has not seen my questions so we'll see how we do ready ready all right so my first question was how long were you touring i kind of covered some of it yeah from basically i started touring in i think the end of 1998 until november of 2000 how old were you oh let's do the math 22 well, mm -hmm. i started yeah so 22 years old so of legal road. age of legal age yes of That's legal good. age right. um but not legal enough to rent the car without penalty not, not legal no you got to be 25 to rent a car all the things we'll learn through touring um, also i didn't have a major credit card and so then they you know when you don't have a major credit card they need to make sure that money's there so they take a huge chunk of money to hold before you can even, you know, so it's, it's a tour and I was tour managing. Let me be clear. I was my initial on the road. The purpose, the core purpose of my touring 
was either tour management or management or some form of those. I got to perform as part of the compensation barter package. But so I was the square one responsible for the driving, the renting the cars, the booking the hotel, the collecting the money, the doing the merchandise. Life so, was rough until I got in there. Yeah, tracking artists down. <laughs> and this was like before everybody had cell phones. So like, you know, artists may leave with a honey dip after the show and no one knows where this person went. And we got to leave at 10 a.m. And they may or may not be there. Yeah, so wow. it was a different different tribe. We had no, we were using atlases when we first started as far yeah. as navigating, just using the atlas. <laughs> it was a lot of stops at pay phones, a lot of U-turns <laughs> for sure. All right. So what attracted you to tour life? Like, did you know you wanted to do that or you fell into it and then you fell in love with it? Um, I, I was in a travel, like I didn't travel a whole lot, but I loved traveling when I could. So just the concept of being on the road just seemed amazing. I had no idea what to expect. So did you did you meet artists and got around them and then you're like, oh, they're going on a tour. Hmm, how could I get myself on a tour? No, um, it was a weird progression. I had a graffiti art agency um, called Artist Styles, and this is like 97. And at that time, Hieroglyphics Crew had went independent not too long before. And they were starting their own label, but they had these independent tapes that they were just selling like, you know, just hand to hand. And so I started buying those wholesale and slanging them on Telegraph Avenue and at shows with my little artist styles graffiti shirts. Um, and so in the process of doing that, I met two good friends of mine who were like, you know, we should start a, a production company. Let's throw let's throw big shows. And so we did called Urban Productions. And we first event we did, which I don't know why we did this. We did a four day hip hop pro skateboarding event. <laughs> Followed up by a rave. Go big. Go big. <laughs> Followed up by a rave on top of all that. So uh, we gained a lot of contacts and we lost a lot of money, but we paid everybody out. So the contacts remained good. And a couple of the artists that we booked, we ended up working with as far as putting out a, a, a 12 inch, like some vinyl. And I became the default one to manage them because I knew that I had the relationships and my partners were more behind the scenes stuff. So I just became a default manager. Um, and so default manager, your artist, try to get your artist shows and you go do that. And then through a connection through my graffiti art agency, I got a chance to take a couple artists to Australia on tour. And I put myself on as an opener. And that was my first taste, my first real taste of uh, road life. And ever since then, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Don't ever stop. So, okay, so when you started touring, you were 22, you fell in love with it. You did not, to my knowledge, have a solid girlfriend at home at the time. I did not. I just came out of an insanely tumultuous relationship right. with a Scorpio. Not that it matters, but it matters. But not right. that it matters. Right. So you didn't have a solid relationship, so it was easy to go on the road, right? Yes, I had nobody... Um, holding me down at home or no responsibilities at home. My mom, me and my mom lived together and mom's was like, very self-sufficient. She's very self-sufficient. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't have any anchor at home, any like love heartache at home. So what do you think would have been different at that time, at that age, if you did have a girlfriend at home? If I did, well, at that point I was a serial monogamous <laughs> person. So, um, Knowing me and my goody two-shoes self who'd never cheated on anybody, I would have been on lockdown happily and being sad because I missed the person and kind of probably not really 
being as present on the road as I was, I would be more focused on, oh, I can't wait to talk to her. And, you know, I can't wait to go home, tell her, or, you know, go back to the hotel and call her and tell her all about it and, and all of that. I would have not been as present to um, feel some of the amazing people that I met that were women, even if I wasn't sexual, because I would have been like, you know, it's just it's a weird vibe when you're on the road and you're girlfriends maybe already sensitive to the fact that you're on the road and you're then you're telling her about some amazing so, female you met who was really cool so do you think that it would have completely changed the trajectory of how your relationship style developed um <clears throat> if i was if i had a girlfriend when i went to australia yeah it would have definitely changed it because i probably wouldn't have got so close to a woman there right which became the core gravity for me going back there and me really taking this seriously. So yeah, it would have definitely changed the trajectory. I probably wouldn't have been open to this person the way I was. Sadness. Sadness averted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went on the road and you didn't have a girlfriend and you felt free, uh, did observing how other guys so you were the youngest one you were like the underlink like you yeah were I, was, the, I was a little homie right you're the little homie and you were observing these other guys who have made it a life right being on the road right did observing them and their relationship styles on the road what did that like what did you take from that um i mean i i just you know i took from it like dude's like i mean so you went on the road and you like your first tour and you were like wow what the hell yeah i mean it was just like it just reminded me like a saturday night every night like you know imagine saturday night at a club or saturday night at a mall where dudes are like trying to holler at girls and it's like you know fools party and drink a little bit smoke a little bit just hollering i mean it was just like that's what was going on and you know the, the everybody has a different style let me just say that everyone has a different style of um courting a woman or parlaying the, the 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 song and dance um i've always been square anyways like my my approach is way more cupcakey and teddy bearish so you know like i was around those type of guys before the road but this is put it on like hyperdrive it's like it's just just like like maximum overdrive it's just a lot um did you I, think it was dumb did you think it was weird did you what do you think no nah, i just thought it was dudes like I was, I didn't so think did too deep of it. So did you expect that? Like before you went, you must have had thoughts. I mean, about I kind of, I kind of assumed dudes go on the road. I mean, you hear about like groupies, and you hear about like all this stuff. I mean, you hear about it. So, you know, um, the one thing that was really funny was um, when I was in Australia and I was, I, I got off stage, I jumped right off stage and like started talking to a girl. Like, man, that was a cool, good to be here, man. We should connect. Let me get your number and like everybody's like the record stopped and all the locals who knew her because she was an MC as well looked at her like like you're gonna get us to do your number and she was like ah and she kind of played it off like no well, you know it's nice to meet you and connect and then later on we ended up connecting numbers but I'm so naive because I'm just like a I was like a, just a happy person wanting to just connect right, and make right, music right. and like I didn't realize that in that context yeah. How cliche it is for a dude to get off stage, right. go to a fly girl, and be like, yo, what's up? Yo, we should connect. Right. You know, I didn't even realize how corny that sounded or how it was perceived like I was trying to Mac. And I was literally just like, 
I don't know. Naive, like skinny, just short hair, big ears, happy. <laughs> dude, just so happy and so not knowing that. I mean, and it put her on. It put her on blast. Like she said later on, like, dude, the scene is small. Right. So like, girls who end up uh, getting with a guy, you know, um, while they're an artist themselves, like all the other artists look at that person like, and they like hate. They throw all the shade at her. So she was like, I learned my lesson. And so like, I really wanted to meet you and speak to you, but like, yo, you jumped off the stage and it was like way, it was like the lights came on, the record stopped and everybody turned. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? So you basically, you've learned a lot from there to now. Yeah. I learned a lot about how um, women are perceived on the road and mm -hmm. how artists are perceived on the road and how... Um, sometimes women who are super cool, the ones you really want to meet, like they just have a natural, like, I can't even talk to you because you're an artist. And so if I talk and to you, that's because so many artists have been so stupid about their relationships on the road. It's partially that, but it's also partially the local hate. There's right. a lot of haters. Uh, so for example, let's say, um, you have. A woman and you have a dude and they're both fans of a, a fans of an artist right. the artist is male and the artist gets off stage or at the merchandise table and the dude is like yo man loved your show what's your favorite rap album and it wants to talk to you about all this hip-hop like yo like all this stuff and the dude is done with the show sweating and he's not trying to have that and the girl's like yo i really appreciate your show and he's attracted to her he's going to give her more energy right and he's going to have more of an engaging conversation and the dude is going to feel like the fuck dude and then he'll just feel naturally all hating towards this girl like oh you just want to you want to get that groupie shit and she'll be like like i'm not so eventually a lot of girls will be like you know what like i want to holler at this dude but like right. i already know what these other what these other dudes that locally are going to say and do so i'm just going i'm just going to save it um but then yes there's a there's a lot of times where a woman will just come up to a, an artist and be like i just want to let you know I'm a big fan. I appreciate your music. And yeah. they're trying to give them right. music love. Right. And the, the dude's like, oh, okay, what's up then? So like, what you trying to do? Right. And the woman will be like, I'm just trying to let you know I appreciate your music. Yeah. I'm sure I've seen that. Yeah. So. So. So through all that, let's talk about your relationship style on the road and how it evolved. Yo, when I lay my Mac hand down, son, <laughs> ain't nobody going to be able to handle that. <laughs> oh, man. No. So they line right up. Yeah, exactly. I was right there. I put the talcum powder on the hand and be like, guess what? She'd be like, what? I'm like, gotcha. And just drag her off by the hair. No, 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 no. Um, my style was really, it's, you know what's funny? Is my style hasn't changed at all. It's, um, you know. I think it has a little, but we'll talk about it. Maybe, ref second, maybe second. Ref refined. Well, no, I have my own take on it. So we can, we'll <laughs> talk about it when we talk about our relationship. Right. Um, so, you know, I would like, I, the cool thing about my opportunity is I was at the merchandise table the whole night. Like I, I performed for like 20 minutes and then I'm at the merchandise table the whole time. So I got to meet people when they came in. I got to have normal conversations. I wasn't the shiniest object on stage. So I didn't have to worry about this like extra groupy shine. I mean, in Australia it was different cause we came from America, but like in America I was the opening act who cared? Like, so a girl, I could talk to a girl and we could have a good conversation. We could become friends before the night was over. It's like before the show was even done, we could be friends. Right. Already exchanged numbers, talked about, you know, um, maybe getting some food afterwards or 
she knew some graffiti spots she could take me to. So it was already cool. The rapport was built. Um, sometimes you meet a girl at the show and she was hella cool when she walked in and you progressively watch her drink. <laughs> and then, so you, so in the beginning you're like, damn, she's cool. And we talk I'm like, yeah, you know, we're, we're done. We kick it. And you just watch her get more and more drunk. And then it gets past that tipping point yeah. and you're like, ah, oh. Why? And you just can't. You just you yeah. know, I, I just I couldn't do it because I don't drink. So I don't know if you guys know I don't drink, and I didn't I didn't smoke herb or drink at all the whole time I was touring. I didn't start blazing herb again until like last year. Right. Um, when I forced you to. Yeah. When she forced me to. So, you know, I had a, I, I had it kind of cool because I was just like I I didn't have that pressure of being the star. It's hard for a star to get off stage and go try to holler at somebody because I get all this attention. You know. I'm at the merchandise table. I can make friends. Like I'm, you know, I'm just there hanging out, drawing on hats or, you know, answering questions about the product and we can just talk. Um, and I got the, the, one of the coolest introductions. Like if you're ever like, you know, trying to like, you know, you know how men have to kind of like put their feathers up in the air. Like they're like the peacocks. Like, Oh, look at me. Look at me. I got like the, I got, had a cool 15, 20 minutes on stage to do my song and dance. You know, they'd be like, look at me, I'm cool, and like do my shit. So when I, I had that in the beginning of the show. So I would basically, you know, I mean, not to mention, nothing, it wasn't everybody there. <laughs> Sometimes it was like, right. you know, not a lot of people there. But, you know, I didn't, it was, it is what, it, it was what it was, but it gave me a shot to kind of introduce myself without, without having to break the ice. Cause I was already, I just did that on stage. Um, and um, yeah, so it was cool. The, like I said, the biggest challenges were the apprehension that women would have in talking to, a guy who was part of the road crew is right. that, you know, cause the majority of them are out there. They're ready. They're trying to party and trying to have sex, which is cool because then that kind of helps you, helps you, you know, find people to talk to that are not just there to be groupies. Right. Well, but the problem was the ones who weren't there to be, to just party and have sex. Um, they didn't want to get too close to the artists or anybody on their entourage because most of the time they're looking for, for hunger. You know, the guys are looking to like hook up. So if the girl's not trying, not there to hook up, but she'd like to have a good conversation, sometimes she just may not talk to you at all. Mm. And so, and me being a super hyper-conscious women's advocate dude, I just knew what position to put women in when artists would try to talk to them. Yeah. So then I would kind of be all weirded out about, you know, um, not wanting to come off like everybody else. You know, so I had to like, I was like so overly, I was probably way overly explaining and overly communicating too much, but I was just like, how do I, how do I convey to these people or this woman that I'm not like every artist that comes through? So clearly over the years, you've managed to convey that to quite a few women and you, because you guys did uh, tour so much and you went through the same places enough, you ended up having, you know, close relationships with a number of women that you would see maybe once or twice a year yeah. for, you know, like a period of a couple of years or more than a couple of years. And like, so how, how did you manage to maintain those relationships that I know you've maintained them in a deep and loving way, but when you really physically were there for like maybe one or two days, maybe once or twice a year. Right. Um, I think, well, the, the intention was there, the desire was there, but I was, you know, the first couple of years, it was a trip because every girl that I met and thought was amazing. Like I tried to talk to them every day 
Cause I just felt like I wanted to show them that I wasn't like the other dudes and just like right. disappear. Um, and I just had to like, I tried to, I was overdoing it. I was over communicating. Right. Um, and they, well that plus, I mean, there's only so many hours in a day. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and it's before crazy. Text, it was, it's yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just reach out to them. I mean, just like the same way you reach out to a friend or someone you met on a, on a trip across Europe or somewhere, you just reach out to them. If it was letters, it was letters. If it was maybe you, then, you know, you send them some music or some graffiti pictures or just call them every now and then. Um, but it was just the desire to like, I'm much more of a quality person than a quantity person. So if I met somebody, um, my goal was to be friends with them and to connect with them deeply. Like it wasn't, um, just to have sex and go, um, a lot of times it didn't, we didn't have sex the first night or whatever it was, you know, but we felt each other and it was, we, it was conversation or food or even like stay over, but it was a connection. And so I, I didn't, that was my thing about not getting too close with girls who were hella drunk. Cause you can't, right. can't pick up on the frequency, not to mention Kobe Bryant situations can happen. Right. So, um, I I wanted Did conversation. Did you just put yourself on the same level with Kobe Bryant? No, I just I didn't want to okay. get. I, 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 he I learned from him. Yeah. Okay. okay. I learned from him mm-hmm. that you know, a girl could get drunk, and she could be totally into coming back, and you could totally have sex, and she could wake up the next day not remember what happened, and totally say you raped her. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be the first time. Well, let alone you really don't want to have sex with someone who's drunk. So. Yeah. No. So. You know, I was I was looking for the sober ones. I was looking for the ones who could at least handle their liquor if they were drinking. Um, just ones we could have a conversation. And, you know, 85% of the time, anybody that I ended up hanging out with after a show, I had able to have conversations with during the show. It wasn't like I got, like, it wasn't like the show ended. I was, like, out there in a crowd, like, yo, like, what are you doing tonight? Because to me, that would seem super cliche. Right. Um, so I'd rather give them a CD and be like, you know, email me, let me know what you think. Or what are you doing for breakfast? Right. You know, um, and go but, that route. But, you know, so nevertheless, over the years, as much as you look for quality over quantity, I mean, you did end up with a number of uh, people that you were quite close to. Yeah. And uh, you managed to, like, continuously maintain those relationships. I mean... Are you? Would you say that you're friends with half of those women now? More than half? Less than half? I would say um, there's warm sentiments between me and them more than, way more than half. I don't talk to all of them now. I mean, you know, different people move different places. We lose track of each other. But there weren't too many situations where it was salty, where either I or them just had a bad experience. Um, you know, and that's my main thing is I don't want anybody to, um, when my name is mentioned, to have a negative energy with it. You know, if we didn't get along, we didn't get along. If we didn't work out or you got a boyfriend or whatever, that's fine. But, like, I didn't want them to be, like, that dude or that asshole or, you know, or just feel like I did them wrong in any kind of way. Like, that was right. super hypersensitive to that. So, um, you know, so in the beginning I overcommunicated. Later on I, I learned to have faith that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people can feel your vibe sometimes. Like, just have faith that they're feeling you, and that's why they're gravitating to you. And then later it was like, you will you will meet who you're supposed to meet. Right. And I, I strongly believed in the laws of gravitation. Um, and, you know, just not, not forcing anything. So, 
you like over the years of touring you made friends with you know women that you got close to you also made friends with like other people you toured with yes you want to talk about like are those friendships some of the most significant for you um yeah i mean you know the artists that you meet on the road the road man i mean because i was a tour manager merch guy so i got along like a really kindred with a lot of tour managers and merch guys and merch girls um because we're like kindreds like we're the buddies and then you know you get to build with the artists and the cool thing about a tour it's like a summer camp it's like a roaming summer camp like you spend you know for a six-week tour you literally spend six weeks with the same four groups or three right. groups so you become close and you hang out and you go do things on days off and you just kind of it becomes this like camaraderie that when a tour is over it's like it literally feels like you're coming home from summer camp and you're saying goodbye to like your summer camp buddies yeah then, i've seen those you know, goodbyes yeah just so literally yeah, yeah. and then you know you, you stay close to these people when you see them you always have this love resonation with them because you're like oh even though you even if you it. had some crazy like like dramatic experiences or some yeah yeah i mean you have like, like you yes. were almost kicked off tour yeah was i well yeah oh yeah yeah because I, I was doing too much trying yeah. to rap yeah you were on the phone with me asking me to buy your phone i was like home. i'm out i'm out yeah so the funny part about my way of touring is like okay um i was brought out on the road because i was willing to handle business and well, I was pretty good at just being the up the stand up dude, um, but I performed as well, and that was always a part of my deal. It was like I'll do it for less if I can perform. So for the most part, people didn't even trip. But then after a while, you know, the peers would kind of get a little itchy about it. And then there was a time on the road where, like, you know, the person that I was out there road managing for got just in a in a in a weird state one day. And we were trying to, we were talking about stuff before the show. And I was like, cool, I'm about to go on because I go on first. So we're on the tour bus. I'm about to go on. He's like, nah, you're not going on. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, why do you always have to rap? Like, why, why can't you just be a tour manager? Like, why do you, why do you have to do that? And I was like, dude, like. For no reason other than he wanted to like, like he just pull want, a power man, play. He just wanted to, yeah. And I was like, well, am I, did it something wrong? Like, I'm, you're getting paid on time. Your merch is handled. What's the issue? Yeah, we get to the play, we get to the spot, I get you to the and hotel. It was, and, and he was just like, nah, you just, sometimes you just need to just, just be a tour manager. And I was like, okay. And so I, I left and I was like, told everybody, like, blood, I'm out. And everyone's like, why, blood? I'm like, dude, I'm out. And they were like, let me go talk to dude. I'm like, fuck this dude. <laughs> you know, so I called Eula. I'm like, dude, give me that flight. I'm about ready to go. Just, I'm like, I can't do like this is stupid. I'm like, do you want to fly out tonight or tomorrow morning? <laughs> I know, like, when do you want to come? But it's real though, like that type of like, yeah, it's it's interesting being an artist and a business person because a lot of people, for some reason, although I'm not the first person that was a a business person and a creative person, like ever, like I, James Brown, you know. uh E40 too short. I mean, there's been lots of them. Um, but yeah, for some reason, it was hard to fathom that I could actually be a legitimate artist and a business person. Like I couldn't keep my priorities right, but my pro my priorities were always right. Um, I made sure my artists got taken care of first. And in a little time when I had my windows, when I would get my little, my little graffiti on or skating on or painting on stuff. So, but yeah, most people I met on tour became like, there's a, there's a, there's a certain like fraternity and sorority or whatever you call it when it's co-ed. Um, with with artists you met on tour, there wasn't too many women that you toured with. No, there was. That's Psalm always one. cool when when there's a woman on. Yeah, tour. there was. I mean, let's see. There was Psalm One. Um, 
<laughs> than like Medusa tour. I did, we did some with Medusa. She didn't really come out a whole hell of a lot. Um, Maya in Australia, which she came, we right. didn't run with that. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of women on the tours. Mm, we're missing some. Yeah, we'll, we'll think about it as we go along. But and then what about like female tour managers? There was a, there was a handful of, of female tour managers. There was one on slightly stupid tour. Um, and then there was oh, a Tia. Well, Tia was a merch girl tour manager. Yes. That's how I met Tia. Um, right? That's funny, right? Just knowing now, it's like it's long time. Oh my gosh. Um, and then yeah, but I do I did know a lot more uh, female promoters and female like buyers for venues and stuff like that. Like I made good friends as well as um, them. But there's women in the, in that side. There wasn't a lot of women tour so management and stuff. What's on my bucket list? Oh. <laughs> She, well, I don't know. Is it still on your bucket list? Kind of. Oh I my still want to do it. She, so this woman says that on her bucket list, before she goes, she wants to road manage a tour with some independent, with some artists, I guess. Would you, is their preference independent or major label? Independent, but I think that I would have to like screen and I don't want to be in the like grand James position. Right, where you're out there, like as a young with little fifteen, with like 15, a young little like, white dude with like fifteen alpha black super rappers right, from LA. Right. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, in, in our we started expanding our our tour manager business, and we had a couple guys. Um, one who was our videographer, who you know we like to wear, we like people who are willing to wear multiple hats. And so, you know, I couldn't go. I don't know what I was doing. Because you were out to yourself. I was you out were myself. out and I was at home, like, trying to manage both of you. Okay, so fun. we sent this guy, our good friend Grant James, who's now an amazing videographer. He's done tons of videos for me and Dell and documentaries and way beyond that with Madonna and a whole bunch of way bigger stuff. But back then, he was down the road managed. <laughs> he was like 22. <laughs> yeah. And so we sent him out with the whole Project Blowed crew. <laughs> And uh, I mean, yeah. And they were, I mean, it was, I went, like, Tion was out on his own tour, and I went to see their show in San Francisco, and it was, like... There was a lot was, of them, right? It was a nut house. It was I like mean, Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, it was, like, there was a lot of them. They were young. They were hyper. They were hungry for women. They were just, I mean, I was backstage, and I'm like, whoa, that energy is thick. Yeah, it's a lot. You get a lot of testosterone together on the I road. I mean, someone got arrested. I mean, Grant called and it's like, what do I do? He's getting arrested. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> let him go. Yeah. And he goes. It was, it was, it was, it was wild. <laughs> I mean, you know, he did it though. Put hair on his chest. I think that was when he became a man. Like if there was one, one, one moment you could pinpoint when our I'm boy sure Grant came, cried. became a man. <laughs> I'm sure he cried. Hey, part of the transformation is tears. So yeah, I want to tour manage. Yeah, she wants I to tour manage. I want to tour manage one tour. I might bring Karina with me. Right, she could be like your. And assistant then we tour will definitely do a good job. Right, and then I'll get the calls. Those boys will not be drinking. They'll be working out in the morning. <laughs> vegan <laughs> shakes. They'll be eating vegan yeah. food. Yeah, It'll I'll, be awesome. I'll get the call from the artist like blood. You gotta take your wife that is, bitch. Your, your <laughs> wife is out here tripping, but tell her, like you know, they'll be like, she came in at five a.m. She insisted on having the keys to everybody's rooms. And, <laughs> you know, she came in at like four thirty and was like, "So you know, this guy has to get up at six. So if you aren't fucking right now, you should probably leave." <laughs> like, 
saying things like that. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'll, I mean, I'll go yeah. like I'll go for ten days. I don't want to go for like two weeks. Would be pushing. Ten yeah. days would be fine. I would love to see that. We'd have to film that, so it'll be pretty fucking funny. Yeah, the Black Russian podcast goes on the road. Yeah, she's getting like steamed out in the car with just <laughs> like secondhand smoke. Yeah, because I'm always so. One of my concerns is like, Tion, you should not let them smoke in the car. And right. he looks at me like, and uh, how do you propose I do that? Yeah, that's not. I work for them. If it's my car, it's different. But well, it, yeah, but my big thing is still is like. How do you let them smoke in the car? What happens if you get pulled over? Like who, who, like you're the driver. Like, aren't you responsible? I just be like, I work for them. I mean, you guys have gotten pulled over. Yeah. And you've got, you've had your car searched. You've had stuff found. Yeah. Never mind. I don't know. No one's ever gotten taken out of the car and gone to jail. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. kind of, that's my big thing. I'm yeah, like, no, I don't it's, know. It's, 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 you... When you look at it that way, it's, I mean, it is crazy. I mean, people think about how much people tour and make laps around this country, smoking hella weed, um, in places that are not as friendly as California, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. You know, so. So let's go back to tours and relationships because that's the podcast so did you so you were out with guys all the time you obviously observed things that uh, guys do on the road that you wouldn't do yeah uh probably more so than not like did you ever get into some major direct arguments with them over it no <clears throat> i wouldn't get into well, arguments you're not an argumentative dude I wouldn't get in arguments, but I would I would say shit that they didn't like me like to hear. Like, like, you shouldn't do anything on the road that you wouldn't let your wife do at home. And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, if you got some good head last night and you got you know whoop de whoop, you should be cool with your wife getting that giving that head at home." And or they, and they'd having be like, being gone down on right, and they would just be like, "Dude, why do you even say that shit?" I'm like, "Well, you know, like." logic you know you shouldn't you shouldn't do nothing you know like your karma travels with you like that's one of the things that really was important to me is like your karma travels with you there's this whole what happens in vegas stays in vegas shit yeah. is not what happens so your karma travels with you so if you're out on the road wrong and do wrong and dudes <laughs> wronging girls if you're a dude mostly speaking of the I mean, dudes if you're gay, then you're yeah wrong. then you're wrong dudes and that's still but like if you do that enough like your karma is going to catch up with you and it's not always one for one like you may wrong you may a go meet a girl who's in college and you know she may be down to have sex and you guys have great sex but you just you don't call them or you kind of treat her kind of bad next time four or five years from now she could be at that label you're trying to get that deal with or she could be the promoter at that venue and now you wonder why you can't get a show there um, and that's just direct. Like, but the indirect karma, you never know. There may be a reason why your career ain't taking off. Yep. Um, or like why that. your relationship at home is not, not like, good. Exactly. And your karma travels with you. And I would always say things like, you know, you know, you shouldn't do anything on the road. You wouldn't want your wife, your wife or your girlfriend to do at home. And it was funny. A lot of the dudes, see, not everybody was bad. There were, there were dudes who were super loyal, who just, you know, did the thing and then they call. And it, there was tons of those. There wasn't all this crazy. But then there were ones who were like the ones who were locked down the most, like the most serious relationship would be the ones wilding out right. like they were off on parole or something. And they just can go so out there and go nuts. So then that kind of goes into I wanted to talk about this. Uh, uh, when you, you know, you've gotten to the point uh, where you were as excited to go on tour as you were excited to come home. 
but is that true for everyone on the road? No, it's not true. <laughs> so is it um, true for some? I would for most say people I would the say road? there there is a um, there is a lot of artists on the road who don't like coming home um, because they have baby mama drama because they're not treated with the same level of royalty as on the road. Um, it's just like home is just gravity times 10 for a lot of these people. Um, you know, they may be on the road. They may be Mac master bibble spap and then they go home and they're Cletus, yeah. you know? So I, on the road, I was like, yo, what up Mac people spap. And they're just like getting them all hyped and like offering them weed. And everyone's just like all this, you get this treatment and you go home and it's like Cletus and your wife is like, where is this? Where is this? Change the diapers. You ain't been here. And they just, you know, it just may be a series of just un, happy events that don't give them the type of drug that touring does so a lot so of them, how so how depressing is it to be on tour and the tour is winding down and you have to go home what do yo, you do some of them the, the re, it becomes a very sobering descend into home like some some dudes are just like planning the next trip like while they're on the road trying to figure out what's the next what's the next trip so they could just be out because they don't like being at home so do you like do they you know you've toured with the same people for years so you guys have like learned about each other's home lives and everything did they feel jealous about your kind like your homecoming being happy and excited or how does that go no luckily there wasn't any outward hate it was just more like we all have a good time on the road and then after that we gonna figure out when we gonna get back on the road i guess it was never a too much envy as far on that side of that stuff um you know because everyone's still happy while they're on the road but you can hear them arguing and yelling you know on the phone or whatever just right. you just know sometimes it's, you know baby mamas a lot of people would go on the road make money come back and give it all back to their baby mama well you did yeah <laughs> you know but i wanting i willingly did they did all <laughs> no i actually it. took it off the road the money was gone before i came home oh, yeah. i had some pocket chain from some t-shirts yeah. some cds yeah. um and that type of stuff. But yeah, I mean, you know, tour, touring is a drug. Um, people get addicted to that hyper life, that hyper energy, um, that people seeing you perform, you're on a stage where you're taller than people. Um, everyone's giving you attention. It's a whole lot of, um, the novelty is through the roof and we know how important new relationship energy is like mm -hmm. meeting new people, people, you know, so it can get out of control. Um, and so yeah, not that it's, it's a lot, but no, I never had any hate about that, but it's definitely, um, people like sometimes get on the road and act totally different than they would at home, like totally different. Um, and it's not always the best for the male fan or the woman fan. I mean, the male yeah. fans get dissed a lot of times because they're trying to hire girls. Yeah. And then they end up losing that dude. And that dude I mean, five years later. Seen, you know, I think, you know, the funny thing I've seen on that blow tour when I was hanging out backstage and then kind of watching the show by the time uh, headliner got off the stage oh all the meat was off the all turkey. the meat was off the turkey and he was oh my god because those dudes were fast they were young they were hungry it was san francisco it was on oh my, oh god. my god it was like he was i mean he was like visibly upset yeah it was like what the fuck are those 
guys doing yeah. there's not a single woman like, left. they didn't save me no like not a no, wing like not, yeah i know not, nothing and it that's was, the thing it's but like, it was so obvious <laughs> it was like wow you guys like don't you have a protocol like nah, what the hell that shit was a you know and the funny thing about all that is you know there's disadvantages for being the headliner on tours with well, a hell of men. Especially the headliner who rolls in at the last moment yeah. and like wants to be treated as royalty, gets drunk before the show, does the show, gets off and expects that there is going to be like a lineup of women who like are all harem, interested. Right. And it's like, really, why? Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, the times I've toured where there was like hell of dudes on the road, like, you know, like, <laughs> like they, they just like, call them savages, where yeah. it's like they just be out. It was like, like these man. guys were 15 deep. I know. I mean, that's dude. <laughs> I just, it, it becomes like, I try to go the opposite way as right. far away. I mean, I think that's why, you know, I ended up like really appreciating the nerdy, quiet girl. Yeah. Like the one that's just not sticking out. Yeah. Like, you know. That's not all made up in the, the short skirt. The best like, kept hey. secret. It's, yeah. it's the, that one. Yep. And then, you know, like. You know, so it, yeah, it, it's it's very fascinating, but yeah. So let's talk about other funny things on the road. Well, <clears throat> other funny things. That was funny. Yeah, there that was funny. There are some. Gosh, what are some funny ones? I you know, without it incriminating. No, I'm just kidding. Like, there was nothing crazy funny like that. But there's some just funny. I mean, just things happen on the road. I mean. You know, the hotel rooms sometimes are close to each other. Oh, let's talk about that. There was a midget, a dwarf. A little person? I don't... Okay. No, no, whatever. No. Hold on. Whatever the... A PC. Whatever the PC word is for... I think it was a dwarf. And I was on a tour one time with these artists, as I won't say, from the East Coast. And one of the hype men, the dude, he was like, yo, like, I really want to, like, I want to kick it and have sex with a dwarf. And he was talking about it the whole tour. Like, I really just, you know, I'm just fascinated by it. I just want to kind of... You know, we're just like, word? And he's like, yeah, dude. Like, you know, like I've seen it in porn and like, nah, I mean, it's, it looks great. It's beautiful. We're like, okay, cool. And then we get to Indianapolis. Like we get a sound check and then doors were early. He's there early too. And lo and behold, at the bar, there's a tall girl with Adam's apple, which I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And then there was a little beautiful dwarf just kicking at the bar way up on that stool. Like way up, so he was like, "Oh, dreams do come true." <laughs> so I'm at the merch table. So through the night, I'm watching him talk to her, and they're becoming friends right. and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, you know, we all go back to the hotel. I think we're on the same tour bus, and we get on, uh, you know, get back to the hotel. And like I'm like, I go back to the tour bus to get something, and like I go on the bus, and they're all kicking it on there. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." So like I go to my room, and the next morning, you know, we, you see the. People call it the walk of shame, but it's not shameful. But like in the morning, like if you were with a girl the right. night before, like you, you just got to walk them down to the lobby right. and say goodbye before you got to go, you know. And, you know, I guess if other artists are down there too, it's like, oh, that's, oh, hey. I'm talking right, about right. Night. So, yeah, he walks her back and he's like, you know, gives her a hug and, you know, which down, you know, it's cool. And then he leaves and he was like, had the biggest smile on his face. And he was oh. like, it was so, he was like, dude, it was so cool. And he was like, but like, you know, I invited her on the bus after the show, but like, I didn't know it was politically correct. Like, should I help her up the stairs? Or should Aww. I not help her up the stairs? Aww. He's like, so, you know, I didn't help because I didn't think, you know, I didn't want to be right, disrespectful. Right. So I didn't help. All right. All right. So she climbed her way up and That's it was so all cool. good. And he was just like, Aww. yeah, it was, it was pretty fresh. I thought that was. Do you a, think they stayed friends? For a while. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, cool. He was an older dude. He was, you know, yeah. he was a more, I'm not just older, it makes any difference. Refined. He was more refined on that tip. Yeah. But yeah. But one thing I want to talk about, and um, we'll ask a couple more questions and go into a break, is this whole concept of a groupie. And we talked about how a lot of dudes locally hate on girls who interact with dude with artists on tour, not because of any other reason that they just can't get that energy and they can't get that light. Um, and, you know, a lot of women have a lot of negative connotation about women who get with artists. And, you know, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a women on women crime. It's just, it's, it's a lot of hate and it's competition. It's not necessary. Um, it's not necessarily the same reasons. I know a lot of times there are women who get with artists because like they live in butt fuck boring town where they have the same type of people circulating around all the time. And <clears throat> artists come to town, they have a new energy, a new vibe, a new flavor, a new, a different passion. And um, they're just fascinating. And so a lot of time, you know, that conversation and that energy and that interaction is way more dynamic than what they have there. Um, I've met women who were like, I'm really focused on my life and my career here. Um, and so I like building with artists that when I get along with and, and, and vibe with them because they leave. Yep. They don't stick around. And I, that's, that's kind of good for them. It's not, all, it's not every girl who's insecure who's looking for a guy to fall in love with and they, they, they buy the pickup line that, oh, baby, you're mine. You know, there are ones who are eyes wide who are like, you know what? I like to connect with this dynamic, these people. The energy is different. I like that energy. I'm a creative person. Um, I'm fascinated by this. And it, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And that's where we go back into our relationship stuff. Just because something doesn't last a long time does not mean it's wrong and does not mean it's bad. Some of the best interactions with people I've ever met in my life that have definitely changed or inspired me dramatically were people that didn't last in my life for a long time, but they resonated in my heart for a long time. So, you know, debunking that myth that, you know, you meet somebody for a short period of time or if a girl meets a guy and goes back to the hotel and hangs out with them, that it's only some debaucherous sex um, and some shallow degrading of women. That's not always the case. Now, it happens a lot. And I do believe there's not a lot of clear communication about it, um, but it's not always the case. And we should always kind of take that uh, stereotype and assumption with a grain of salt. So what do you think would happen if you take alcohol and drugs off like show situations do you think that would change the... there'd be a lot less sex <laughs> do you think the quality would go up the quality of the sex or the interactions both both oh, yeah but it'd probably go up i mean uh, unless people are socially awkward and they don't want they can't be as loose and wild if they're not drunk because you know there's a lot of right. guys who need to drink to get that confidence and there's a lot of girls who need to drink to just um, block off their their blinders being their block off their sensors being like this is not a cool dude right but they're like oh but he got drank and they go back to the hotel to drink and smoke yeah. and it's like you know so the quality would go up the frequency would go down so overall would be a net positive it would you know it, it probably would be a net positive just because yeah i think when you're clear-minded you make better decisions like i would always tell you know, as a joke, but I would be serious about on the road. Like, dude, when you get off stage and you're hollering at that girl, get her number, go back to the hotel, right. masturbate, yep. and then call her. Because yep. if you masturbate, once you get that refractory period, if you still want to call this person, then she's right. probably some good quality. Right. But like... If you, you, you most but of the they time, don't follow that. no, most of the time what would happen is they, they're all charged up from the show and the drink right. and the smoke right, and the right. energy. And then they would go 
Um, if they went back to the hotel, took a shower, masturbated, by the time they were done and all finished, they'd want to call their mom or call their girl or be like, oh, you know what? It is late. I'm going to get some sleep. Yep. Like that's not, you know, a lot of times people do end up having sex that's with people so they wouldn't stupid. normally do. Yeah. It's that drug. That's so crazy. Yeah. And it's so. It just seems to me like it's so much easier to go and like do your own thing than to deal with another person. Yeah, I don't know. You'd be amazed at, at folks who'd be like, "I'll masturbate. Like, I, if I, I can get, I can get laid. I don't need to masturbate." So do you think it's their self-esteem? So like, it's like if they don't get with a girl every night on the show, like on the tour, then that means that they're not good enough. Well, there's definitely some some male swing dick sort around on the tour, like. If your dude or somebody on the road is getting hella play, right, and you're not, right, like if your ego is in that space, you're you're like you're feeling it. You kind of get a little salty about it. Oh, that's stupid. You know, but that's that male competition. Though. That's right there. We'll be like, you know, so you can feel the energy. You can feel like, damn, this person's always pulling it. Right. And you know, they always like giggling and laughing. You see them walking up to the hotel it. room and they're just like, <laughs> and what's up, yeah. You know, and you're like walking all lonely with your cereal box or whatever it is you got, you know. And like some people would be like cool with that. And other yeah, people would just right. be like, and they'd be up trying to like go through their phone or like, you know, try to figure go on Facebook, see if anybody's awake from the show or something like that. But go yeah, on. I mean it exerts a lot of energy. That's why I say if you masturbate right after the show, like right. you know, we'll take a shower, masturbate. Right. You, you would probably save your you probably have a lot more um rail rested rappers. <laughs> well, when I go on tour, when I tour manage, they're gonna have masturbation sessions after the show. Yeah, you just round them up. Circle up, yeah. guys. <laughs> Circle jerk. You got ten minutes, I'm coming back in. I want those towels full. You need some help? Yeah, you're like, here's the videos. But yeah, I mean, I would, you know, like a lot of times the artists would, you know, I'm the road manager, dude. So I'm telling them before the show, like after the show, yo, we got to leave tomorrow at 11. We got an eight hour drive. Um, And then a lot of times I'd be at their door at eight, 830 and they'd be mad, 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 mad. And they wouldn't talk to me for the first three, four hours of that drive. Because a lot of times, you know, they get back to the show at 2, 2.30. Right. They kick it. They invite some girls over. They, they smoke some weed. Well, yeah, they smoke some weed. They drink. Then they maybe they separate into different rooms and one it's a one on one, and they start they just start playing a slow game. And so by the time they're in sexy mode, it's like four thirty five. Right. So they finally hit and they do all that, and then like five thirty goes around six. They finally fall asleep at six. And I'm at the door at eight. Yeah. And so they'd be mad at me, and I'd be like, look, like, hey. You know, maybe you should just talk to the girl and be like, hey, I don't know what the plan is, but right. I got to get up at like early. So, right. you know, are we going to oh, are you feeling like having sex? Like, I'm feeling like having sex. You want to have right. sex? If not, we should just right. be clear about that. Maybe go to bed a little earlier, you know, but let's right. not, you know, play this game. So right. And then hate on the tour manager. Right. But a funny side note from one guy told me on the road, it's not cheating if it's anal sex. Well, that's the known rule. I mean, you know, <laughs> ask Catholic girls. And it's like, what? Well, how's it funny? That's a known fact to you. I, I thought know. it was. I thought it was super duper funny. Like, and it was. It came from somebody who I would not expect it to come from. <laughs> and I was like, wow. All right. So, how, how do you ever think? How would your life have been different if you didn't tour? Yeah, you know what's funny. I bet if I didn't tour, I'd probably be still. 
um, just default monogamous and not even have questioned it. I would really? just, I would never had a reason to. I mean, it may, okay, no. maybe, maybe something would have come later up, but literally the only reason I started questioning it is because I was forced to. I was in a situation where I couldn't, it just wasn't logical to have that relationship. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, from what I know, you started questioning it with your long distance relationship in Australia. So, I mean, well, that's I, what I mean. That was when well, I had know. a long distance relationship, I didn't tour. So, you don't have to tour to right. have a long distance relationship. No, you but could I would have met someone I, here on campus. Right. Well, yeah, true. It could have happened, but that was very, a very pivotal point. But, like, you know, what I mean is that tour st- lifestyle is a very different lifestyle. You don't have a uh, you know, a particular job, like you're not tied to an office, you're right, not tied right. to your home, you are literally out in the world, like you avoid a lot of normal pitfalls that people fall into and then right. kind of build, their, that create these uh, long-term traps that are, is very hard to get out of. You didn't have any of it. Right, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it keeps you out of the monotony, it keeps you out of mundane, um, it keeps you in the state of just um, just moving and shaking and stirring energy up, meeting new people, being right. exposed. So, I mean, that kept me fresh for sure. Um, and, I mean, it kept me young. It kept me excited. It kept me inspired. It kept me engaged. I think it also kept you, like, you know the importance of meeting new people. Yes, it definitely... Um, Put that on on like times ten. Yep. It'll, it's called it's, I just call it hyper life. Like you just are in front of more different people fast. Like every day would be a different city. Like you could completely have an amazing time one night and the, with the whole show. Maybe at the skate park. Maybe paint. And the next day, it's like regardless of how good or how bad it was, you're on to another city. Yep. You know, for the new adventure, and then it's a new city, and then it's yep. a new city, and it's like. So does that help with the whole like you have a very a uh, strong uh, appreciation of every day being a new day. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just neat. I was always like, what's going to happen here? Or like, oh, this is that one spot that had this food spot right. or that's all oh, my homies there. Or there's a wall there or something like that. Um, and, you know, and it was cool. And you look forward to it. And the cool, you know, I'm a, I'm, I liked the difference, but I liked the routine as well. Like, I like going back to the same cities I've been to. Meet the same homies and homegirls you had you were kicked it with in last time. Go to the same restaurants. Right. Like, I like that. Um, so it's a good combination of both, all in one. Like I got different because there's always different variables, but like you know there were certainly like I gravitate to that I knew were like comforts. Yeah. No. That that's really cool, and that's uh, uh, you know that's something that most of us do not experience in our lifetime. So we don't know what we're missing, and if we don't know what we're missing, we just settle for what we have. Yeah. There's not many things like touring. I mean, I've seen people after touring for a stint, like X amount of time, a few years maybe, and just never go back. It's like this portal that they were in that seemed never ending, yeah. just closed, and they can't figure out how to get back on the road. And so to be able to um, tour the way I did for, man, like, what is that, 16 years almost? Yeah. Is, Nonstop. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, I... um I think about all the time, like just how cool that was. Like, yo, like, I mean, it was my business acumen that really got me in to do that. And my desire to do a good job that kept me out there a lot. And through that, I got to paint and skate and perform and network and 
do things I would never have been able to do that as on that level. Like I never paid for anything. I was always touring with people who were headliners or who had, so I never paid for hotel rooms. I never paid for travel. I never paid for food. I was always performing, you know, for decent sized crowds, even as an opener. Like I was always yeah. treated great. So I never really, when people were like, man, I'm, I'm putting in dues like you. I'm like, I didn't put in dues like, that. like yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't sleep on people's couches or anything like that. Like, so it's so like, do you think that the artists, when they get, um, kind of, you know, upset or, or they want to put you in your place, uh, for doing too much, do you think that they feel like, well, this dude did not earn it? Um, yeah, there's probably some of that. There's probably some of, um, I've been told I make what I do look easy. Like I make the work cause I like working. I like being responsible. I like being, you know, on top of shit. So it, I don't have and a you serious, also enjoy it. I enjoy it. So I don't have a look on my face. Like it's hard work or that I'm stressed out. Right. So it looks like I'm just having fun. And so, if it, and so to some people fun means you're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. like that's if, suspicious he's having too much fun yeah. he must not be doing something right right and they would just overlook the fact that all the shit is handled so that was probably the bigger issue is that like this dude is having too much fun and he's performing oh hell no yeah but you know so that's pretty much that so i think with that we'll go catch a little break and then we'll come back and talk about how specifically this woman and myself have made it all this time family kids Healthy, happy, sex life, good communication and growth um, through the tours. How it's changed since touring. The Black Russian Podcast, episode six. Yeah, it's road rules, road rules. Uh -huh. Golden Era edition, East Coast. The road rules. Cruising in the minivan, Dylan's in the back making heat, Zach is catching Z's. Seven hour trip up to Providence from Baltimore. Yeah, I saw the wire and saw a lot more. So I felt it up in them street. Zach peeps digging deep in them crates. Them black plates was like a gold mine find. He knows what to look for. A keen eye and eye. Well, I got down, y'all. Linked up with Ways One Production and rocked the wall, y'all. To a life allows me all city status. Burning Hall of Fame with some of the baddest. From East to Psycho Kid to a Mr. Risky. Hi, y'all. Death Star from Salt Lake City, Utah. Real talk, let the story be told. Painting with those kings keeps my can control tight. I'm lucky and I know this. Some of my best friends are some of my best coaches. I'm blessed and I know this. Cause some of my best friends are some of my best coaches. Road rules. Day in and day out, we way out. Cause we be staying, playing, out, slaying through word of mouth. Road rules. Ready and willing for killing the sound boy. Giving more than they bargained for. Road rules. Living life out of a minivan. High off the waving hands of fans. Road, road, rules. Isn't all that it seems, but it's way better than building someone else's dreams. Working 9 to 5, 40 plus with no equity. Didn't sit well with me, I was a horrible employee. But with my anger, likes to share sacrifices twice as nice. 
when I get the chance to advance. Careers of the folks that pave the road we walk upon, rap upon, spit upon, stages we rock shows on. It was my call of duty to be as innovative with the business as they are lyrically. Complacency is the enemy of my conclusion that it's not a recession, it's a renaissance. Man, so innovation is the key for us to reach our destination and our reinvestment plan. Pay it forward, give a little back to supporters, give them a little funk for free. Road rules, day in and day out we weigh out cause we be staying, playing out, slaying through word of mouth. Road rules. Ready and willing for killing the sound boy, giving more than they bargained for. Road rules, living life out of a minivan, high off the waving hands of fans. Road, road, rule, rule, rule. Traveling is challenging, skywalking like Anakin, maneuvering through cities, dodging bad food tragedies. Sometimes you luck out with the bomb hits, other times you roll the dice and crap out. That's the shit. Yeah, Road Rules. It's a track I did, I don't even remember, 2011. Road Rules. Yeah, do the do. So yeah, we made it through that interview. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. You did a great job at coming up with questions. Simini, we can go into how we do it. How we did it. How we still survive. Speak English, please. Yeah. Now we'll go into how Eula and I have maintained a healthy relationship while going through the traveling, the time, the stressful times, the distance, so missing each other on tour. All right. Much better. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have anything you want to start with or no, can I I have take no it idea. You can take it from here. So you mean you didn't prepare? I asked if I could prepare and you said no so okay excellent I'm always prepared but not as anally prepared as I would be but you told me that I shouldn't so I, I fought that I fought the urge to prepare and I didn't prepare excellent. when I'm ready good job it's all jazz all right so this is about how uh, T and I have uh, maintained our relationship while he was touring um so the standard question was, how do you handle him being gone so much? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be uh, for various reasons. You know, growing up, my dad was gone exactly 50% of the time. He was not a tourist, touring artist, but uh, he was gone. He still is gone a lot, and that's just normal. So I think I grew up with that, and uh, my parents have been together for, God, 47, 48. I mean, depends again on where you start start the count. But yeah, getting close to 50 years. And, you know, they went through ups and downs, but they are definitely very much together. So, you know, and that's with him being gone a lot. So to me, that was normal. I think I learned uh, or I realized early on that uh, maybe if my dad didn't travel, my parents would not have been together. So I'm like, yeah, that works. That's how it works. And when Tion, uh, well, like he and I were friends for some, God, eight, nine years before 
we actually got together and I knew that he was touring and uh, when we got together he was touring so it was it was par for the course it was built into the relationship it was fine yeah no it's true and you know the cool thing about time apart is you get perspective you get to breathe and exhale and kind of see what you have from a different perspective you get to live life outside and see like dude what I have is really dope it's really amazing so actually being out helps me personally um, really appreciate what I have <clears throat> at home, the love, the relationship, the camaraderie. It helps me. It doesn't take away from it at all. Um, and then I'll, at the same time, it's touring keeps it from uh, falling into traps of just routine yeah. and monotony. Yeah, no, I think we've talked about it before where like my number one fear is to get bored and uh, get into some uh, monotonous routine where we start taking... Uh, each other for granted so uh, Tion being out as much as he was pretty much foolproofed that side of our marriage where we were never at the point where we were we started taking each other for granted it was like you were at home at max one to two months in a row at max right. and that's probably with some spot dates right that was just right enough time for right so that's just like you know you get off a long tour you take at least a whole week or two to just enjoy being at home right even unpack should i wouldn't even unpack for like two weeks right right and then then it's, you kind of settle into a routine at home and then you do a couple of fly out dates and then you're back at home and everyone's just like still treating you like a king and everyone is new. Like, and it's all like yeah. it's the it's that feeling of really super appreciating being together and, and at home. And then it's time to be going on the road again. So then you're like, oh, he's gone in 10 days or oh, he's gone yeah. in a week. And then, you know, it's kind of uh, it's it's an interesting process but i think we rocked it it was awesome yeah well it makes the sex amazing it doesn't uh the sex doesn't get stale you get excited yep. you go away for a while and all of a sudden like you know the booty seems rounder and softer and the skin's <laughs> you know like it just because you miss it you appreciate it i mean just think about it think of your favorite your favorite food like think about it like now just think about eating that every single day all the time isn't there a book like a kid's book or a cartoon where this kid like blows out the candles on his birthday cake and wishes for every day being his birthday and then they show oh. how <laughs> like it becomes less and less like progressively less exciting and yeah. after a while he's like give me anything but cake right. like i want i mean just just think about it it doesn't matter what it is anything like think skateboarding as much as i love skateboarding if i had to skateboard every single day of my life and i couldn't do any other sport i would eventually not like skateboarding as much or painting or listening to hip-hop so it's the same thing with with sex like if you get to go out and be in a different world and have the opportunity to be around different people and just be there whatever is supposed to happen will happen there and you have total support and encouragement by your partner then you're able to be present. You know what that does? Is it really makes you love and appreciate that person because they truly love you. They truly love you enough to entrust you and empower you and encourage you to 
live how you're supposed to live and make decisions that you feel are right and come back to that person. You love them so much more. There's so much even sexier. There's nothing more sexier than a woman or a man who actually trusts and loves you, not just for who you are for them, but for who you are to the world and encourages and empowers you to live like you're supposed to live and connect with who you're supposed to connect with. Um, very sexy. Um, definitely not monotony, not monotonous at all. No, no, that was cool. But, you know, you can't make it sound so, like, easy. I mean, the the, the whole time you were touring, we were not, uh, like, we weren't as uh, open and vocal about it as we are now, by far, at all. It was a different, you know, it was a definitely different type of relationship that we had. Like, we were always honest in terms of, I knew that... Uh, you know, you were connecting with other women. I had no detail. You uh, totally protected me from it. Not enough for me to not see certain things. Right. But just enough for me to not know. Yeah, it was weird. That was the era that we came that we were in called the, the high discretion era where we had deemed at that time, you know, protect each other from parts of the ride of your individual ride that's sensitive to the other person. Um, we know it's there. We know we encourage that it, it exists, but it's still very sensitive. So we just prevent each other from being overly exposed to it. Now there obviously was times like fucking wrappers and po- condom wrappers and pockets, you know, you lit us laundry and it's like, oh. and you know, she's not mad at me. Like fucking asshole. What are you doing? It's just more like, ah, like, just like did you have to leave this for me? Like, can you not? You know, if you're protecting me, protect me better. <laughs> you know, protect me better. Where's well, the duct tape around that condom? Damn it. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, I didn't leave anything for you. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, it was not that it was not that easy. Uh, I, I, um, it definitely was cool that you were out so much. Uh, it definitely was not easy. This is why I feel that I have the right to call people out when they say they do not have fears. I have definitely experienced every shade of every uh, difficult uh, feeling that uh, a person can feel when their partner is out. And it's not easy. It's not easy. It definitely is real. Uh and it definitely is out there. And then when I was thinking about this episode and I was thinking about all the people's responses, I was like, why is it, why are they not sitting well with me? Am I like the only one that, you know, feels those feelings? Like me, you know, somebody else, you know, described the feeling of actually being afraid that their partner is going to meet someone cooler. And I'm like, I know I'm not crazy. I have felt all of it. I have felt like being insecure. I have felt being scared. I have felt uh, wanting to keep tabs on you. Like I had definitely tried keeping tabs on you. I had definitely tried like being right there with you long distance while you're trying to be with somebody <laughs> else. And it's not a pleasant Get cool off thing. the phone. Right. And, you know, <laughs> but those are real things. Like, we're real people. We're real people going through real emotions. So, like, you know, don't tell me that there is no fears. And then, you know, I spent a lot of time and somebody actually asked me to talk about it. 
um, so the like the feelings and the, the difficult feelings that come up uh, when your partner is out, I think are like they, they trigger something that you may have experienced in childhood. You know, like I remember distinctly, like I hate waiting. Like if you say that I'll be home by 12 and it's like 1 a.m. and you're not here and I hadn't heard from you, I hate that feeling. Like I start feeling it in the back of my neck. Like I start, like I, I physically start feeling it. And then I had spent, because I've had so many opportunities to analyze that and feel that feeling uh, that I... Uh, I think that I connected it to the times when uh, I was little and I'd sit on the windowsill waiting for my dad to come home because behind me was my mom with this super heavy feeling of being extremely uh, uptight and, you know, super upset, but quietly so, uh, which creates this really heavy vibe of dad not being at home. And... You know, I don't know the details of their relationship. I'm sure there were other women. I'm sure that it was all unsaid, un, 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 you know, unsaid, untold, uh, and hidden. But uh, that vibe, that vibe of someone knowing and not, you know, like, and not being able to express it and waiting and just waiting, that's super heavy. And when you grow up with it, like, you can't avoid it being triggered when I am supposedly in a situation like that. Right. No, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And that's, you know, I think one of the things that we did a good job at was um, staying connected when we're on the road. Like, you know, if you're the guy and you're on the road and your wife and your girlfriend supporting, like proactively go out of your way to reach out to them. Don't make them always have to chase you and find you. And then you be the one like, what? You know, I'm on the road. You know, I'm busy. Like proactively show them that no matter where you are, you still value them and you appreciate them and you, you know, you can at least have conversations. Yeah, no, I think we always like that. I've never felt that you didn't want to talk to me. Like I know like you text when you wake up or you, you know, you text when we, you get up and you're up and about, you know, like I don't, I don't I don't think that when you were on the road I ever was the first one to start looking for you in the morning. Right. I think we had a pretty serious protocol that was unsaid, but like you wanted to and I knew you would. Where like you get up and you check in. Yeah. And then you say goodnight before you go to bed or whatever it is, like when you're ready right. to, to like say goodnight, just say goodnight. Uh that's before I bring out the whippets. Right, well, and it's the, before you do nitrous, right, nitrous shots. <laughs> Good night, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the nitrous. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it's we had the routine. It was cool. Like, I'm a Gemini, so it's, you know, I experienced the, 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 I think maybe it was the first time that I actually experienced my Gemini so strongly where I'm like, I want you here. And I want you gone right now. <laughs> like when, when it would come, go to like two months of right. you being at home, I'm like, I really want you to stay here, but I also but really, really need want, to get out of here. But I really want you gone right yeah. now. The energy's thick in the house if I'm if I'm at home too long. It's not I mean it's changed in the last well, three years. Well, for now sure. I'm home a lot more, so right. it's different. Right. But yeah, but we had a good situation and then you know, we had 
you know, when I was on tour for six weeks, it was like two week fly out. Like whenever, you know, every two weeks, you kind of. Right. So the kind of the flow kind of on my end was like this. So you leave and the first day or two, I really like literally felt like, like I was missing a vital part of my body. Like my right arm fell off and I'm like, where the hell is my right arm? How in the hell am I going to do this? And then after like a day or two, I kind of settled in my routine and I'm pretty happy the bedroom is clean. There's no things laying around. You know, if I close the door, it stays closed. Like, you know, like all the stuff. Closet doors are closed. Closet doors are closed. <laughs> the bed's all mine. I can go sideways. I can do whatever. There's no TV at night. There's like, there's a lot of really cool perks that, that are really exciting once you like realize, oh, cool, this is my space now. You know, and then I get into the routine with the kids. That's totally mine and uh, no one else to talk to. And, you know, I get a lot more like quiet time and that's always good. And then by like day 10, and like that, this is all scientific, like because we had so many tours <laughs> that it's scientifically proven. <laughs> There's a pattern to this. Uh, day 10, I think we both start feeling it. Uh, I think you take about a week to settle into the tour. Yeah. You know what? From from my end, like, yeah, a week, I'm just not even, I'm just trying right. to get into it. Two weeks, I'm kind of in the groove. Around the third week, like, I started turning around. Like, oh, okay. And, but you're usually there by then. Um, but on the tours where we don't have that, like, I can, you know, my code for, like, missing you. Right. I start looking at, like, your pictures and videos. <laughs> Like that's a sign, like you know, because normally you're like, nah, I just get out. Like I've, I've, I'm around it so much, I just need to like not, Go you know, look at not even think about that. You need to watch porn and other stuff, right. you know, in your you know your hotel. And then like when it gets toward late, it gets kind of late in the tour. You're like, start looking at your own girls' pictures, like, oh, <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. But yeah, but the way like on the long tours, I mean, we we've, we've kind of had this rule that. uh I fly out for like two or three days every two weeks and that keeps us uh, uh, connected and we're not, you know, like, uh, it just does not cross, like it doesn't go into red. Right. No, we, we got a good balance and we made a, we made a rule that like every Thursday night from like 12 a.m. to 3 p.m. we would Facebook live each other no matter what we were what doing. What the fuck? God. <laughs> no matter never what even or who so, we were with. Okay. It was so, like we just. <laughs> dude, we never even talked on the phone. Like we would talk on the phone maybe once every two weeks. I know. And it was awkward. Maybe. It would be like, why are you calling me? <laughs> what? And like we never Skype. No. We never FaceTime. No. None of that. So we don't do that. Like text is just fine. Yeah. And then that kind of creates a really cool detached space where we still feel connected, but mm -hmm. we're not in each other's faces, literally. And, uh, you know, uh, it was cool. Like I'd come out for three days, two, three days. I, I do not need tour life for more than that. <laughs> I don't want tour food. I don't want tour schedule. Right. And then I'm happy to go home and... Uh, unload your cash and uh that's how it went so it's pretty cool yeah so we did that but yeah you know st stay connected it's not easy but stay connected the challenge is you know 
um, what we've seen. Luckily, we um, we were I was already touring when we met. We were friends for years, and so it wasn't a shock. I feel bad for um, couples who are together long before, and they're used to their husband or their wife, whichever one's a musician, being at home all the time in this routine with a local job, and then all of a sudden that person gets an opportunity to travel, and their energy goes yeah. up, and their hyperlife goes up because it just disrupts the whole flow. We've seen that. Yeah, it shakes the foundation. Um, you know, and it can be a little tricky. So what, you know, what were some of, what are some of the, I mean, you know, talk to the people, like, what are some of the benefits of having the house to yourself? I mean, you talked about a few, like, but you know, you know, are there, what cool benefits are there when I'm not here? Uh, is that because you want to know? No, I mean, it's because they want to know. <laughs> I kind of feel it's because you want to know. I mean, I, I have an idea, uh, but you know. It's, uh, you know, like I love, I'm anal retentive. I'm OCD with my space. Uh, it is not easy for me to see your uh, stuff around uh, because you're not as OCD as I am. So it literally, as soon as you leave, the day that you leave, <laughs> you're out the door. If I'm at home and you're out the door on tour, first thing I do is I go and put all your stuff away. And I clean up the bedroom, like, to where there's nothing on your night table. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> there's just my stuff. I don't even exist. Right. It, I do all of your laundry. And then it's like, I exhale, and it's like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. It's just the kids and I. Right. So, right. you know, like, I'm totally self-sufficient. Like, I do not need anyone. I just miss the buddy time. But right. then it takes me so long to start missing it, you know, and enjoy my own time. So that's literally what happens when you're gone. Like, I do not go out dancing. I do not go out gallivanting. I definitely do not invite anyone over. You know, I that does not, you know, I do not start running around taking naked pictures like and sending them to other people. Going nuts and yeah. just lose your mind and just nope. go out and turn up at the club, coyote nope. ugly. Nope. No. Yeah. Such an ninja. So boring. Such a ninja. That's All what right. happens. Um, so, but then, you know, uh, 2007, you know, we got married. It'll be 10 years now. And uh, promptly as a good married couple, I was pregnant. Uh, and we never discussed changing anything. It was not part of our discussion at all. Right. Yeah. T touring was your life. I mean, touring was your income. It was your business. It was not, uh, you know, when we decided to get married and we decided to have uh, a baby, it was not a discussion that anything would change. It was basically right. like, Tion, you know, like I wanted to have the baby. He's like, well, if you are ready, then are you sure you're ready? Are you sure we can do this? And I'm like, yes. Uh, he's like, all right, I trust you. Here we go. But it was not like, well, you do know that you will be a father now and you are going right. to have responsibilities at home and you are not to leave because how are you going to leave me with a baby? Right. Yeah, yeah. She did a good job of um, not imposing any guilt on me for... Any of that, she is a superwoman. And I appreciate that because I've seen well, that being imposed why, on people. That's lot. not why I said what I said. I but know. Thank I'm just you. chiming in saying like, you know, <laughs> I've seen what it's like 
when that situation's not that way. Um, and you know, I'm sure the person at home is having an extremely hard time and they're letting the person on the road know it, you know, and they're stressed out on the road because they're just like, cause they know, you know, but superwoman's at home. I mean, you gotta, you know, so. No, like we didn't change anything. I never asked, uh, like I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to ask if you weren't then going to change how you are with other people. Right. I mean, it was not even, I mean, I was pregnant, so I was like, Tion said, referred to me as an X5 versus an X3. Yeah. And that's size, size wise. She you was know, a sexy went, pregnant. It wasn't, I, we I, didn't stop having sex. We didn't do any of that stuff. It was actually cool. There was just other tricks. There was more space, there was more cargo. <laughs> there was like, where did these boobs come from? Where did all this stuff, it's like it just transformed into like a bigger version of, of you. So. Uh, yeah, we, we just, I don't know, we just... Well, and then you were like, we had Deja, and five days later you were gone. Like, it was a Red Bull seminar in Chicago. Oh, uh, that's right, yeah, yeah. Like, the Music Academy thing, and yeah. t- the, um was like, oh, can I go? And I'm like, sure, I mean, what, like, not like I need you at home. Right. Like, uh, what are you going to do? I had stopped lactating already, so <laughs> I just wasn't producing enough milk. Um, like, yeah, it's not like you know I really need you. I mean, I. It, but then, of course, I needed you. I right. mean, we had the deal. Like when we decided to have a baby, I'm like, all right, I'll. You know, the only thing I need from you is you take the baby, I clean the house. <laughs> like <laughs> I cannot because I knew what it means. Like you know, you have this freaking baby attached to you at all times, and you cannot do anything at home. So I'm like, when you're at home, you're gonna take the baby. Right. And just give me time to hang out with other kids and and, because we do have other kids and they were like six and nine at the time. Yeah. And clean the damn house. Clean the damn house. And yeah, I mean, it's like she said, when we we try to share that, um, we've made it work and it's been great and it's been a blessing for us. But that doesn't mean that it's not hard. It doesn't mean that we didn't fight or have hard times. Um, it just means that all of that played a role in us being who we are and in getting to this place and enjoying it. Um, and that's part of having pain. It's part of having fear. I think that's why you was so blood clot frustrated with the questionnaire survey that came back. Cause it's like, how could you not have fear? How could you not have concerns? How could everything be just so rosy all the time? It is not. It's either you're not telling us the truth, meaning you don't tell the truth, you're like you're not telling yourself the truth, or like I said, your relationship is just so damn stagnant that uh, there's no way for your partner or yourself to be out and meet somebody uh, that might... Uh, you know, be a cool person. Right. I mean, you know, I have friends and I talk to, and I'm sure Tion sometimes feels kind of sensitive. Yeah. I mean, it'd be stupid to not, because he knows what it means. If I, if there is a person that I consistently talk to, that means they're really cool. Right. It means that she values them very highly. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like the just the thought of like man like you know we as humans in relationships sometimes put ourselves in situations that are really counter 
what we really want out of our lives. Like we all want to meet dynamic people. We all want to be appreciated by dynamic people. We all want to have um, enriching relationships in life, career, personal, but yet in relationships, we really fight to stifle the other person's ability to have those, especially if it's from the opposite sex, if Mm -hmm. they're, if they're heterosexual. Um, And it's crazy. Like we just, you know, like what part of growth is that? Like what part of love is that? But yet we, it's just accepted as norm. Well, because it's very difficult, you know, like you and I have done that so much and like you were out for so much, so long, uh, that you would think that I am totally cool as a cucumber with it, but I'm not, you know, and it's very hard. It's very hard. And sometimes it's easier. Other times it's not easy at all. Um, so just the pure, um, like mind magma, magma. Yeah. You can say magma. Mind magma. magma. That it takes to actually maintain your own trust in the relationship and the vision of why you're doing it and what the benefit is, it can be very tiring. And there are times when you just want to give up and you just want to go for, you know, some time without having to do that. Right. And I mean, it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's crazy but we did it it was it was great um, uh you know one like one uh like pe- when people ask me like you know so how do you like uh, how do you trust him when he's on the road like what the hell he's on the road he's touring he's you know who knows what he's doing and i'm like he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke so whatever he does he does uh with his eyes open and without being under influence of anything other than his own, you know, mind and consideration. And that's when we go back to our vows. Yep. No. And that's, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of my karma. Like I'm really, um, hyper sensitive about fucking up my karma. Like, <laughs> like I got, it's, I'm really, really cautious of that. Like I really, um, don't want to have that negative energy strain around me. So I really think about things sometimes, you know, like I said, sometimes it's probably overthought, but I'd rather be over than under. Yeah. Um, and no, so and you know, I'd never be with you or I'd never be with anyone who's touring if they were drinking or doing any kinds of drugs. Right. Ever. Like you can't trust the person. Right. It does impair judgment. It definitely does. And so it would be, 4,000 times harder to have any type of open or non-monogamous relationship I mean, I um, with somebody who's on the road who who drinks um, you know, or does any type of mind-altering drugs or you know, for vice versa. Maybe the guy or the tour person doesn't drink and the person at home does. It's like you just can't be accountable nope. for the decision-making process and if there's say, gaps in logic. I almost it's feel tough. like you know, there are times like you see women like the dude would do something that's stupid and she's like almost excusing them oh he was drunk right and i'm like really are you insane like like he made the decision to get drunk yeah so it was still his decision or her decision how are you excusing them because oh you know and and the reason why i think women do that is because they feel like they did they cheated on them when their judgment was impaired so which gives them 
sort of a consolation of, oh, he would have never done that if his right. judgment was not impaired. Right. <laughs> and, and also the self-esteem and the fear of being alone, fear of being replaced will keep a woman in the situation. So they find ways to rationalize or justify yeah, well, that's a different why episode. it wasn't as bad as, uh, you know. Yeah, that's a different episode. But yeah, yeah no, not being, not being with someone who tours and drinks that's that's not happening so um the last part and it's surprisingly something that never like people have the opposite i think uh opinion of how easy or difficult it is so you stopped touring pretty abruptly three years three some years ago like in november of 2013 uh and it stopped like on the spot uh it was not easy it was not easy emotionally for you because it was very difficult to go through that change in terms of how it happened, but it was also progressively more difficult uh, with you being at home. And uh, contrary to what people assume, it did not make our life easier at all. Right, and it becomes... So here's what it is. So when you tour a lot, you are at a, you're at a, you're, you're getting rocket fuel in your life. Like you're getting more love, more energy, more attention, more accolades, uh, more reassurance, more confidence boost, more, all that stuff. Um, you're meeting new people. You're meeting different people. People are constantly being excited to meet you. So you're at this high. Um, and then you stop doing that. Not to mention your adrenaline's through the roof. Not to, you stop doing that. And your adrenaline slowly goes down, 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 down. And all of a sudden, you know, the life at home that I love so much that played, you know, 50% of my physical time, but maybe 75%, 80% of my vitality time now is responsible for a hundred percent of it. And so, but I, so what, what had happened is it was just, it wasn't possible um, to get everything that I got on the road at home. It's just not built that way. It's not the same thing. I'm not performing in my kitchen to new people every night. I'm not meeting new people. Um, I'm not seeing different places. I'm not getting this perspective. Um, and it affects you. It affects you heavily. Um, and so eventually you have to start seeking out how to expand your your reach of nutrients, your reach of community, your reach of um, everything in this place. And it just happens to be right at home. So there's no veil of like, you know, most of the time and the, and the people, the women that I interacted with, they were pretty much on the road. They were not at home. So it was easy to just go on the road and, and do that and have us both be aware of that. But it was kind of protected by just a natural veil. And then when I came home, since I wasn't home for a little long time, I didn't have any desire um, to go out. Or to even build any type of, um, you know, physically intimate or deep relationships other than like deep friendships. Because I just, I was just happy to be home and just soaking it all up. So then what happens is you get to the point where you come back home and you soak it all up. And then you get to that point where you're itchy again and you have to find that balance because you don't want to. Right. And then as soon as you start feeling itchy, I know you're feeling itchy. And in my like the only thing that's been constant uh, or the main thing that's been constant in our relationship is that I don't ever want to A, change you, anything that you do, and B, I don't want to in any way limit what you want to do. So if you start feeling itchy, I start feeling like 
I might uh, am I becoming an anchor? So right. then I'm like, how do we find a way for you to go the hell out? Right. And so there's a whole bunch of amendments that need to be made. And these are unwritten amendments because they weren't they were unwritten rules. Like they weren't in some rule book, but it was just like Well, it was a progression of how things were evolving. Yeah. And we had to deal with that, like, you know, so you know, if I see other people and I usually see them on the road, I'm never on the road. I'm going to end up needing to meet and connect with people here. So how does that work? Like, when do I go out? How does that feel on her side if I go out? How does it feel on my side when I go out? Like, do we still try to hold this level of discretion when it's kind of like it's, you know, it kind of doesn't really work. Right. It, it didn't work. And that's why, you know, eventually like a year and a half into it, I guess it was exactly a year and a half into almost two years into it. I'm like, I can't. That's it. I'm not going to. This is not going to work out. Something has to change. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it really forced us to deal with some some calcification in our in our mind and hearts and spirit when it came to fear of facing some of these things um and we had to do this awkward dance of like how do we talk about this how do we deal with this um and still be and still honor who we are and who we are to each other and what our goals are with each other and our family um so that you know me not touring really um was not an easy solution to any of our whatever we were having you it, was, know. it was hyper evolution. We had to figure out how to do these things, which means we had to talk about uncomfortable things again, like that we thought we kind of tuck put on the shelf enough. <laughs> we talked about it enough to where we didn't have to talk about it anymore. But then it was like, you know, it's in our faces now. Like, what happens if she wants to go out? What happens if a guy that she's close to comes to town, and he, you know, he's staying forty minutes away and wants to hang out with her for the weekend, like? How do we deal with these things? Like, let's think about them before they happen. Like, how do we, you know, is it, is it against the rules for someone to stay over somewhere or like, it was just a lot of that stuff that like usually would make the average bear squeamish. Um, and so it was a lot harder and people would think that it's harder for a person to be on the road. It's like, no, 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 it's harder when it's here and you have to be like, oh, so, you know, you know how half my life was on the road? Yeah, well... Now I'm bringing that home. Yeah, the, the party's Hope you're coming ready. home. Hope you're ready, honey. <laughs> um, you know, part of the reason why I'm so happy and so amazing when I'm at home is because I have a balance. Um, and, you know, I don't want to impose, expect my household to provide all of that because it wouldn't be possible. Um, and I want to keep giving you the love and the happy faces and the uh, all of that warm and fuzzy Care Bear inner child love to you, but um, I need that fuel that's over there. I need the those 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 crystals over there, and I need the <laughs> potassium over there. And uh, so you know, so it was it was interesting. It was very it was it was. Uh, I mean, looking back, it was the hardest shit ever. But it really propelled us. Like we progressed in the last three years, probably more than we did in the last seven years because of it. There were so many things, so many walls we had to drag ourselves through head first um, to get through. And through that situation came the understanding of compersion, which is actually open, like loving and appreciating the actual true honesty about 
the lives and the path that we lead. Um, so yeah, it was pretty, you know, we're here, we're alive and kicking. There's no, uh, there was no irreparable damage. Um, there's no permanent scars. And, and now when I go, I think we both appreciate it. Now when I go out, it's like oh, a whole, yeah. it's like a, it's a whole different deal. It's like, it's or so I'm goofy. Like, Tion, can we find a tour for you to go on? Can we buy your way on tour? Can, right. can you just like be out? And it's not to get him out of the house. It's both. I mean, it's to get him out of the house, but it's also like to know that he's experiencing that, that super happy, hyper, high adrenaline life that uh, I would hate to say that that's it. Your tour, tour life is over. Yeah. And that's why we keep traveling. Like we, I don't tour as much, but we find ways to travel and mix it up. And we travel together. We travel separate, you know, and it's the same thing. Like I like when she goes on trips. Um, I love to go. But then if I don't go or can't go, I love that she gets to go um, and be in that space of just being out in the world by herself, interacting with whoever she wants, however she wants and mm-hmm. or not, you know, or not. Um, I just think that's cool. Just having that uh, space to just be you, you know, to remember what it's like to be you without the caveat association with wife and mom like you just can be you like you could just be whatever you want to be um and it's dope and i think it's been one of the benefits that one of the most nurturing benefits of our relationship is being able to support and encourage like and nudge even each other to get out go do other things go mix it up um and that's what it is and that's road life in a nutshell, I guess you could say a nutshell. It's, it's you know, it's longer than a nutshell. It's a couple nuts. <laughs> but hey, you know what? When we got it, we got stuff to talk about. We're gonna talk about it, and we appreciate all of you guys who make it to the hundred and twenty minute mark of the podcast, and that you guys like to go deep with us because this is not meant to be a public service announcement. Hit it and split it. It's not to be a hit it and split it or hit it and quit it or any of that stuff. It's meant to be whatever it's meant to be, and we appreciate you guys sticking with us for the long haul and for those of our friends and family who need shorter podcasts just pause it and then and then when you want you can can break it up in the in the segments yourself um but we love all of you guys for listening and we love it all um we'll go into some gratefuls because we forgot to do that last time too (laughs) oops so um yeah i'm grateful for the listeners that we know we have and the ones that we don't that come out of the woodwork and really shock us with their level of excitement and appreciation for what we're doing. Um, and look forward to connecting with more and more and maybe doing this live soon. I'm grateful for the sunshine. <laughs> Finally. The sunshine. basic things. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, this will, this right. will come out the day before. Hey, everybody. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day. This comes out on the 15th. Yep, had I hope you had awesome sex, yeah. lots of chocolate, and uh, whatever, whatever else, else. <laughs> comes with comes I guess with if that. We, yeah, I guess if we really gave a fuck about the Valentine's Day, we'd have did a Valentine's Day episode. But well, I mean, yeah. we would also be together on Valentine's Day, but we're not. Nope. So there you go. Yeah. So oh, so there was one cool thing. Remember one Valentine's Day, I was flying. I was like in transit from maybe New York to Florida or something like that. And you were in transit from like you were on tour, you were flying. We were literally at different airports at the same time. And you actually made a song for me. 
it's yeah. pretty x-rated but it, it was oh that's song. what that one was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was Valentine's Day. Splash Waterfalls Remix. <laughs> a ludicrous remix by Buki Wood. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You should bring it out. Yeah. Rappers, if you're on tour, you owe it to your wife. Make her a fucking song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make it X-rated. Yeah, but don't include the girls you're with on the road singing backups. Yeah, that would That's, not be cool. That kind of changes the whole energy of the thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah we obviously don't care about Valentine's Day we nope. just care about liking to be around each other yeah. and enjoying it all whenever we can yeah make Valentine's Day an everyday thing and then you know make it even specialer if you like it you know special and specialer don't go mundane and then one day of special and back to mundane like go go high grade and then higher grade for that day if you must um, yeah I'm grateful for Figuring out this microphone sound system thing so people can actually hear you and not be like, I can't hear you live. <laughs> so, you know, we got it dialed in. We got a good situation. We got a good setup. I'm grateful for that. Uh, we keep going. We have a whole set. Three gratefuls. All right. Well, I am grateful for enjoying doing this and uh, enjoying being prepared. And seeing how cool it is when, uh, you know, people come back and say that we did a good job and it stirred something in them and you guys keep doing that and it's really awesome. Yes, indeed. And uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to have such a cool wife to actually have the ovaries to say all this shit publicly when it's not something that she's ever usually did. Oh, what did I say? You're on a fucking podcast talking about shit you never talk about. That's what you did. <laughs> uh, you know what? I mean, like I said, people, um, like people keep, I think, thinking that I'm crazy and I'm having some Facebook uh, arguments and I'm like, you know what? If you think that I've gone off the deep end, then awesome. If you don't want to listen to me, don't listen to me. But I'm really enjoying being able to speak my truth and be who I am and uh, find uh, people that really appreciate it and who that resonates with. For real. And so on that note, this is a Black Russian Podcast Episode 6 on behalf of Buku One. And Yula. We are heading out. We want to remind you guys to write your own script, write your own vows. Especially if your wedding is next weekend. Write your own vows. And uh, really think about how much time you spend each day where you can actually be yourself and be honest with yourself and with other people. You only get to live this wife, this wife. You only get to live this life as far as we know this time. You only get to be this age today this time. So why not be yourself and then let that truth um, cleanse the people who are not supposed to be around you by Mm -hmm. agreeing to disagree and making room for the people who are supposed to be around you. Because believe it or not, they can't get to you if you're cluttered with people who are um, around you for some false pretense. So do your best to be yourself. I know it's not easy, but um, it's so, so, so worth it. So off we go next episode. Who knows what it'll be, but it will definitely be on the first. Enjoy yourself. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See you soon. Now I'll end it with a bunch of my sound effects.
enough gunshot. One more time. The mighty most deaf on DJ Hard the production. My jam keep me buzzing like cash and good loving. I'm staying form fresh, I ain't most deaf or nothing. So if you in the groove, let me see you move something. You're in the tri state and your high stakes hunting. You wake up in the morning saying you must make something. Well, I got something special to make that's motivated. Memories don't live like people. I have to back up my bags and leave you. When you're gone, I am not here to see. I'm a traveling man. I got the tie of both my shoelaces Kiss my cheeks and see me gone I'm leaving But I won't be too long I'm leaving And I'll be good while I'm gone I'm leaving But I'll be back again I'll be back again I'm making tracks again Step it up I'm coming back on my back again the first class mission with first class provision. The brand hard work results is good living. It's the important yet and let's get all that we can. Right. It's important that it's gorgeous so the fortune expand. Cross the borders of land, along the sands of time. I came to motivate the masses with the standard of rhyme. You understand me that I'm so fresh. They know what all across the